Welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. of The Prosper Project. I am so excited to have someone that I admire that I know through a mastermind that we're in together as my guest on The Prosper Project today. So it is my honor and privilege to be here today with Judy Weber. And Judy teaches successful Christian women how to scale their business faithfully and without apology. Her mission is to help six-figure female entrepreneurs scale to that next level with joy, to live out their faith and boldly pursue their God-given purpose as a powerfully innovative CEO and influential heart-led thought leader. Welcome, Judy. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Oh, Lorraine, I've been looking forward to this for a little while, so thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. So, You and I, I just have to point out, do somewhat similar things in a different way. I have an agency. You work specifically with women to help them strategize and scale their businesses, but we have similar toolboxes. Mm -hmm. However, what is so intriguing about you is that your path to where you are now wasn't a traditional evolution, right? Yeah, not at all. It wasn't exactly a straight line, that's for sure. Yeah, and I love that. And, you know, I love that we can go deep in one area, and I'm going to ask you about yours in a minute, and then decide that we don't want to go any deeper and that actually we are being called to go somewhere else. And so for you, you started your career as a lawyer, right? That was my first professional career. I just want to back up and say, you may not know this about me, but there were two things that I wanted to be as a little girl, Lorraine. Okay. One was a teacher. This is, I remember I was like three or four years old. One was a teacher and one was a lawyer, but I from poor stock, like people like me didn't become lawyers. Like I was smart, but I didn't think I could actually do it because again, poor folk don't become lawyers wasn't thought. So I went to college as a music teacher, graduated third in the entire class, not just in music, but in the whole class at college. I was so upset that I missed salutatorian. That's how silly. (laughs) Anyway, but I couldn't find a job in the Philadelphia area. All the jobs at this time. Yeah. They were out West. I'm an East Coast girl. I love the West Coast now since then. Back then, I'm like, no, I don't want to move. Anyway, long story short, I took a job in retail. I worked Oh, my goodness. I worked at Macy's commission sales. Oh. Uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? So they said, yeah, $10,000 base plus commission. I'm like, $10,000? But of course, this is back in 1987. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, long story short, I took the job, got promoted to management in six months, 
managed the lingerie department, a multi-million dollar department in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. If you know oh, that. I know King of Prussia. Wow. Yeah. That one mall. Of, wow. Yes. One of their bigger <laughs> stores. It was such an exciting thing. I was like 21, 22, traveling up to Manhattan every couple of months, talking with fire. Oh my gosh. That's it was amazing. So exciting. Yeah. But then I got a little bit too big for my britches, Lorraine, because then <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm great at sales. I'm going to the outside sales. Ah. So ultimately I ended up working for Dictaphone. So oh. I got in front of lawyers and it was working in that capacity. I remember it was a Friday night. I'm coming out of this one guy's appointment and I'm mumbling to myself. He is an idiot. That guy was rude. He didn't even seem smart. And at the age of 25, I said, that's it. I can do this. If that guy can do it, I can do it. And then I the rest love of that. So you went to law school. With a few years. And that was probably smart. You know, you got some experience and then you went to law school. And what kind of law did you practice? Yes. I was so excited to get into Villanova. I remember every day going to law school as I walked in. I even get emotional now. I was just so thankful that God allowed me to get into that school. So, yeah, I got out and I worked. I wanted to do litigation, transaction seemed to me boring, like litigation or transactional law. Well, you have such high energy. And after coming from sales, you did not want to be sitting behind a desk all the time. I can see that. (laughs) Yes. But now looking back, of course, I think that would have been the best, better course for a woman to kind of be in-house. But anyway, later on, I came in-house. Anyway, so I did trial law. And so now we're talking 1995, I graduated, got a job at a really good Philadelphia area law firm. And then I got pregnant in the first three months of being a lawyer. And that oh my gosh. I bet that went over well. <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> oh, excuse me, judge. I'm, you know, I'm going to be a sick or excuse me, judge. I just need to sit down for a moment. <laughs> it was tough because I, I didn't tell anybody until I passed that 12 week mark. Yeah. You know, because you hear all the stories and there were many times when I was standing there in a partner's office and I'm like, oh God, please don't let me throw up. Oh, no, <laughs> That's the realities of being, you know, a woman that's pregnant. So what happened was that was 1995. So I stayed in the practice of law until 2002 after mm-hmm. I had my third son, because I did not want my kids raised in daycare. I just did not feel good about that. Yeah. So I left the practice of law to stay home and raise my babies. But you can see that I, you noted, I am high energy. I'm ambitious. And I'm like, okay, this is hard. But when hubby gets home, I want to do something else. So then I, yeah. in 2003, launched my first business as an interior decorator. Oh my gosh. Wait, I just like, you are so full of surprises. Wow. So tell me about that. Okay. So I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? And I, you know, I didn't have special training. But I think I have a knack for decorating and I'm an HGTV junkie. That's where I learned my cred, right? <laughs> I That's love it. So just briefly, I'm like, you know, I'm always strategic in the law. You learn how to think like a lawyer, strategy, intention, right? So I'm like, okay, how am I going to, you know, kick off my business gangbusters? And I said, all right, I'm going to get a booth at a home show that was coming up. I'm like, okay, well, I got to get the people to me. So how am I going to do that? So then I'm like, okay, I strategized. Okay, I'm going to have this thing at my booth and I'm going to draw people in. Anyway, after a weekend, I had 14 appointments and 10 of them became clients. So then it became, oh God, Lord, how am I going to fulfill all Right, right. So how did you you hire an assistant? What did you do? 
It was tough. I don't even know. I just I high energy. <laughs> I, just I, did I just did it. I just did it. Yeah, I just did it. And I scheduled people out and spread out as best I could. The hardest thing and why I ultimately left that business was that I was beholden to other people, contractors, painters. Oh, uh, you yeah, know, I know all about that. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, they don't really fulfill their promises, unfortunately, a lot of the time. So <laughs> they're making me look bad. So I'm like, okay, I had to yeah. wind that down. Yeah. So that leads us, does it? I mean, is there any other surprise you've got before <laughs> you became what you are now? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So let's say it has moved forward a little bit. In 2010, for years and years, I had a tough marriage. In 2010, I decided it was time after much prayer. I mean, my prayer closet was my master bathroom. After everybody went to bed for years, I would, this is going to sound weird, a little bit TMI, but I sat on the toilet and I would read my Bible and I would pray and cry and say, Lord, help me help heal this marriage. Or if not, you know, what was going to happen anyway. So in 2010, I went back into the private practice of law at a boutique firm. I specialized in medical malpractice defense, which I love because it was very sophisticated practice. I had to understand medicine, got to talk with some really smart people, get to go to court. It was just a lot of fun. But in later in 2010, I got divorced and so that was a tough, tough time for me and my boys. So that we fast forward a little bit. I got divorced. Then in 2014, I met a man and we got married. Then there was a layoff in the private practice of law. So I was kind of hanging out. Oh, I didn't mention this. I was also a realtor. I got my real estate license. Oh my gosh, Judy, that's hysterical. Oh my gosh, you are amazing. Okay. You know, okay, but wait, Lorraine, let's think about this. Don't you know women? And I bet you are too. Multi-passionate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of things. Yep. I still think I'm going to write the great American novel someday. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, Yeah. no, I get it. But I love that. Like you not only thought about these things and really I have to say this, that's the difference between dreamers and doers and people who think and people who succeed is actually taking that imperfect action and just moving the heck forward. Right. For sure. For sure. Because look, I remember my first real estate presentation. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did have a background in sales. So I ended up doing well. So I was always a part-time agent, either a full-time mom and a part-time real estate agent or a full-time lawyer and a part-time agent. So yes, I was busy. So anyway, I got laid off from my law job, still had the real estate, but then ring-a-ding-dingy, my new husband's childhood friend called and said, I know we've never met. But you're married to a good friend of mine who I know is smart. So I bet you're smart. My in-house counsel, unfortunately, is struggling with cancer. So what do you think? Would you like to come in and be my HR director and my general counsel? And I'm wow. Like, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that was a God thing. I'm telling you. That yeah, that is wild. That yeah. is wild. That yeah. experience, Lorraine, got me in the boardroom. So I always had these things, these jobs that were male dominated. So I dealt with the discrimination and all the crazy oh, yeah. and to be strong to be heard, all of that, you know, but it was such a great experience to be in the room and deal with policy issues. And as an HR director, constantly putting out fires and, you know, still trying to get the work done. And then of course the salespeople would come to me to review their contracts. It was so fun. And you know me, I'm high energy. So I just, yay, this is so yay, good. Bring it on. <laughs> but I loved everything about that job, but the boss. Oh no. And he was your constantly- husband's friend? Yes. Oh no. 
not like my husband. This guy is, well, I was his general counsel. And I keep saying, why do you keep making these inappropriate statements to me? And are you doing that to anybody else? Because we're going to be sued. And he would get mad at me for that. And I would call him out and stuff. And I was a trial lawyer for like a long time. And so when I was managing litigation across the country and in Canada as well, and he would second guess my discussions with outside counsel. And I'm like, no, no, no. I am your person. If you'd like to take it over, I'll walk away. So ultimately I left and I entered the online business coaching space. And I I want to know about that. Like that is not, to me, it's like, I don't know. I don't even have the words, but it just doesn't seem where Judy would go next. So tell me how that happened. Okay. Well, ever since I was a little girl, I told you about my dreams, right? Mm -hmm. So there it was. I went to school for teaching, didn't get the job, wanted to be a lawyer, got that opportunity. But even though the jobs were great, fulfilling, the money Mm -hmm. was great but I felt like that wasn't really what I was called to do. So I'm like, okay, I love women. I love Jesus Christ first. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I am a women's advocate. I was raised by a mom who was like a women's liver. And so there was a time when not to get political, but there was a time when I was pro-abortion and then Jesus Christ came into my life in a powerful way. And now I'm pro-life, but I love all. So anyway, but my twin sister had said, Hey, Jude. And by the way, she was a top real estate agent in Virginia. That's right. You have a twin sister too. Yeah. I forgot about and, That's wild. Yeah. And she had like a million dollars revenue. She had a real estate team in Virginia, but it gets to be grueling as you can imagine. So she's like, you know what, Jude, it's a good time for you. You have time. I think this is our time to come together coach. So we work together working exclusively with women in real estate brokers and agents. And we did that for a couple of years. After a couple of years, we realized we couldn't work together. And so in 2019, this is what brought me to today. This is the long, I told you it would be a long story. It's great though. I love it. It's there's chapters and each chapter has a cliffhanger that takes you to the next chapter. So there you go. You got it. I got to get this story out there in a book, right? You do. You do. Oh my gosh. So the summer of 2019, I, cause we split in like April. So that whole summer was spent on the couch with Bible in hand, notebook and paper, Lord God, what do you have for me? Should I go back to the law? Should I go back to design? Should I be a coach? If I do that, should I focus on real estate agents or do you have something different for me? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what it was, was you love me. There's lots of women that love me. You're strong and bold. I need you to teach them to come out and to go all in on who I made them to be so that they can impact the world. Because right now they're playing small. So many are playing small. They're afraid. There's guilt around money. There's shame around that. There's doubt. Ooh, I think I'm called, but then am I called? And is this really what, you know? So that's where I felt. So ever since September of 2019, I officially opened the doors to Judy Weber Co. And the ride has been amazing. And every day I'm confirmed that this is exactly what everything I've done, all those experiences have led to. Yeah, so you have like, all these unique perspectives that make you, you know, what I do is help people build disruptive brands. You're now doing some of that same thing through coaching by calling them to be who they were born to be, but your path has been so different. So everyone who does anything, right? It's your path and your experiences that bring your unique wisdom to that. So tell people a little bit about how you're working with Christian women to help them fulfill their calling. Yes, ma'am. 
Well, first of all, I just want to say there's three hallmarks to my business. Okay. So it all relates to building business or scaling business. Although the joyful scaling mastermind is my higher end and where I'm devoting my time for at least the beginning of this year. Hint, hint, I'm working on something that's more in the ladies that are more in the beginning stages of business because I feel called to that as well. But anywho, it will always be built on everything I do, these three things, faith, strategy, and simplicity. So just briefly with faith, as I was thinking about this last year, I'm like, what is it about me? I feel like retrospectively looking at my life, I pursued the impossible all of my life. Yeah, you did. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. And so I look at like Matthew 19, 26 with man, believe me, I wasn't supposed to do what I accomplished already, but for God. So I teach my clients, what's your big dream? Don't hold back, you know, go all in on your faith, like really live that faith, not just on Sunday and not just in your personal life, but live it in your business and fuel your business with your faith. Like that's what your business should be fueled by. So faith is the first thing. Then the second thing is strategy. And here I feel like women, even those that have, that have, you know, hustled, which I choose simplicity over hustle. A lot of them, yeah, they've hustled so well without even strategizing. They're just so like me, maybe high energy. They just do the things and they've been able to, in a scrappy way, make money But at some point, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to get burned out. You need to learn how to think critically and decide powerfully and plan intentionally. So that's what strategy is all about. And then the third aspect is simplicity. Like, you know, we can overcomplicate anything. (laughs) We're very good. Women are especially good at that, right? (laughs) Yes. And so instead of thinking about all the things I don't know and how, we always get so caught up in the how. No, no, no. Let's start from a place of simple, doable. And so when we really focus on how can I take all of whatever your expertise is and break it down to its simplest forms, and even how can I take all the potential business models and all the different ways I could build my business, let's make it simple. And that's going to bring clarity and freedom, which is what we really want when we get into entrepreneurship in the first place. Right. We want it to support the lives that we want to live, not the other way around. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. So tell us a little bit about the, I mean, you have to some extent, so you're working with successful women to help them scale. So typically your clients are already, they have a proven high ticket program or service and they're at six figures typically, and they're looking to scale to that next level understanding that what they did to get to six figures won't get them necessarily to multiple six or seven. Is that correct? Yes, yes you're not. That's, yes. correct. Yeah. That's correct. But there's <laughs> one thing I need to correct you on, and this is surprising. Okay, good, good. A lot of my clients, yes, the base is 75,000. I look for a okay. hundred. If somebody's close to it and they're committed and they really want to jump in, you know, if, after talking and if I feel like there's a fit, I let them inside my mastermind. But quite a few women, they bought into the lie. I think it's a lie. It's not a wrong model, but I don't think it's right for everyone. And that is you need a bunch of offers at various price points. You need a ladder. It's the Ascension model. You know, here's your $29. Here's your $500. Here's your $5,000. And then the $20,000. So some come with a bunch of little offers. Right. And, you know, others come with one or two 
too low priced offers. So women yeah, don't it's always hard to scale from yeah. those. Yeah. Right. So not everybody comes to me with their high ticket offer signature offer already in place. And okay. I would say, you know, I'd say 60 to 75% do not have that in place, but oh, that is, wow. where, yeah, but that is where I shine because listen, if you've been able to generate six figures and some even multi six figures, and you have like three, four or five offers, Hey, you know what? Let's spend the next quarter dialing it in and figuring mm-hmm. out what you want out of your business and coming from this powerful place of CEO instead of, you know, too busy employee. And mm-hmm. let's map out what you want your life to look like and where your real juice is in your genius zone and really go all in on that. And then it's much easier, as you said, to scale when each client comes in at 20 grand or 30 grand instead of two or five. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I find it so fascinating that people start with low ticket things. I think I've always believed that if you want to have a low ticket offer, that it comes after you've been successful in your main thing, whatever that is. And I call that high ticket because it should be hopefully a little bit more high touch and deliver at a very high level. Then you can add in small offers of templates or eBooks or whatever. But I think when you start that way, I mean, the sheer quantity of the number that you have to sell to hit the threshold, you might be able to hit with three or four clients at a higher level and enjoy. For me, I like that. The more contact with people, the better. And you just can't afford to do that with a low ticket (laughs) offer. That's right. I'm all about high touch, high access. I don't know any other business coach, Christian or otherwise, that knows their client's business to the depth that I do. Like my mastermind, the max I will ever have in at one time is 25. Why? Because I want to know your business. I just got off of a call earlier today and you know, a woman was talking through, you know, as we're putting her signature offer together and she was talking about a client issue that's going on right now. And I said, send me the contract. I want to look and see. We don't want the scope of the work to spread in what you're doing now because we want to focus on the signature offer. And she's like, really, you would do that? I says, I feel that I need to know that so that I can best direct you. What other business coach would take the time to do that? And what other one other than a lawyer could quickly look at it and say, okay, here's what you say. Boom, boom, boom. So I'm very high touch. But see, that's the thing, Lorraine. Too many gurus have told entrepreneurs that start low and then prove yourself to them. And then they will go up the ascension. Let me suggest that someone who's going to buy a $97 ebook is probably not the person that's going to one day pay you $10,000, $20,000 for your high end. It's two completely different people. I agree. I really do. It's the same thing with so many other things that you can, you know, you can go speak. And if you're not careful about the group you're speaking to, sure, it's great exposure and they may love what you're bringing, but they're not necessarily the people that are going to work with you for whatever reason. So I think, you know, that's one of the benefits of understanding marketing is, you know, and I go through this with my PR clients. It's like, well, yeah, everybody wants to be like in Forbes or whatever the hot publication is of the day. But the question is, if you want that, understand that you want that most of the time, I would say 99% of the time because of the prestige and being able to put that on your bio, not because that's what your clients are reading, right? Like 
go to your clients, find out what they're reading, what they're watching, what they're listening to, and you know what is important to them. So just understand your motivation because all of us at some time or another are looking for that vanity metric, but that's not what's going to move our business forward. And over time, we realize how precious our time is and we want to focus on the things that will move our business forward. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that's where strategy comes in. Mm-hmm. I think too often we, you know, grossly overestimate the importance of a tactic yeah. while we grossly underestimate the strategy behind the tactic. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got this toolbox, right? But you have to know how to use the tools and you have to have a philosophy. If somebody gives you tools and wood and, you know, nuts and bolts or whatever, and they don't tell you what you're building, sure, you can make something. Are you making the right thing? Who knows? So that's, you know, strategy direction. That's so, so critical. Mm -hmm. So there are a variety of ways that people can connect with you. Can you tell people where to find you? And we'll have all the links. So when you're listening to this, go to the show notes. You can link directly from the show notes to judyweber.co. You can find more information that she will share with us and we'll have that all below. But Judy, tell people how they can work with you, how they can find you to learn more. Yes. Thank you for that. Okay. I am at Judy Weber Co. everywhere. I have a YouTube channel. It's called Joyful Scaling for Christian female CEOs and entrepreneurs. So either type in Joyful Scaling or search Judy Weber Co. You'll find it. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Pinterest. I just hired a Pinterest person to revive my Yes, Good for you. Yeah. I've had a love and ignore relationship with Pinterest for many years. Yeah. I mean, SEO is so important. And so I realize it's worth the investment and, you know, my team's busy doing other things. So yeah. So at Judy Weber Co everywhere. And then for your audience, Lorraine, I have what I call the ultimate scaling guide. It's a 20 page workbook. So it is not theory, it is application. So I take you through the four strategies to exponential growth in your business. It's the same four strategies that I emphasize with my clients and that I use myself. And you can get that right on my website, judyweber.co. That's awesome. I love that so much. So I want to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, because this is called The Prosper Project. So we're looking at how entrepreneurs think about what it means to prosper. So I pose that question to you now, Judy, what does it mean for you to prosper? Well, you know, the most important thing I mentioned is Jesus Christ to me. And so if everything I do in my life and my business doesn't make him happy and proud of me, you know, then I'm not successful and I'm not prospering. And so the Bible tells us that, you know, without faith, God will not be pleased. The words aren't coming to me, but that's the point. So that is why faith is so pivotal in everything I do. And can I just admit though, that sometimes my faith, you know, I'm a human being. Sometimes I'm feeling down. Sometimes I'm not motivated, but it's the faith saying, who did God make me to be? So that when I know that I'm on mission for the task that he called me to, that's when I know I'm prospering. I love that. That's so great. So powerful. And just a unique way of looking at what it means to prosper. 
And I love that that word has so many layers of meaning. And as I pose that question, different people, you know, interpret the word itself differently, which is really powerful too. So what didn't I ask you that I should have, or what else would you like to share with our listeners before I thank you and let you get on with your day? Well, I will just say very briefly, you know, I just want to touch on why I came up with the name Joyful Scaling. Method. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into the specifics. Please reach out to me. If anybody wants to chat with me, I'll also send a link to my calendar for a complimentary strategy session. I would love to kind of identify what's going on in your business, what's working, what's not, and give you a roadmap to, you know, getting yourself to where you want to go. But JOY is an acronym. So we're going to do business joyfully. And it's a three-step process that I take my masterminders and my clients through. So the first is the jumpstart, where we're looking at strategy, messaging, methodology, marketing. Second is optimize. Now that we have the strategies in place, now we're going to look at optimizing everything you're doing from workflows and processes to team members to automation. And then finally, the why is yield. We're looking at the results not just the dollars, meaning revenue and profit, but also client experience, client results, and those kinds of things, referral programs. So we do it all with joy because if we're not having fun doing this, then why are we doing it? <laughs> I totally agree. And I was remiss in um, not pointing out that you have an amazing podcast that I listen to called Joyful Scaling for Christian Female CEOs and Entrepreneurs. And it was formerly called, when I started listening, it was called She is Extraordinary. But now it is called Joyful Scaling for Christian Female CEOs and Entrepreneurs. And it is a great, great podcast. And you share so much of your genius there. Thank you. And I can't wait to get you on as my yeah. guest on the show. <laughs> doing this podcast swap. It's great. Well, it's always good speaking with you. And we're going to be speaking again shortly today. So it's really wonderful, Judy, to bring you here. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts with our audience today. And I will see all of you listeners next week on The Prosper Project. Until then, be well, do good, and take care. Thank you. Bye, all. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.